The Bronx Bomber Babble podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Gentlemen, we know how difficult shaving your downstairs area can be, but not anymore with Manscaped's all-new Lawnmower 3.0, featuring skin-safe technology to help you prevent against nicks and cuts. We've been using ours for a few weeks now, and I got to tell you, total game changer. It's totally waterproof, so you can use it in the shower if you prefer, and it has a handy little LED light to help you see exactly where you're trimming so you make sure you don't you know, cut yourself in a really uncomfortable, really unfortunate area. You're looking for more than just the trimmer? Manscaped's Perfect Package 3.0 features anti-chafing ball deodorant, which we love, by the way, anti-chafing boxers, as well as the shed travel bag. All in all, you're talking about a package that's valued over $150. You can get it today for $89.99. But that's not all. Order today with the promo code BABBLE. That's B-A-B-B-L-E. For 20% off your entire order, plus free shipping. Again, that's Babble, B-A-B-B-L-E. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. And we are live with the 83rd episode of the Bronx Bomber Battle Podcast. I am your host, Matt Luz Luigi. And tonight, Luigi's not here, and me and Andrew are here. And we're mad. <laughs> about the outcome of tonight's game. This, this is being recorded on April 7th, The about, what, 20 minutes after Game 3 of the Orioles series ended? Yep, we're we're fresh uh, on the heels <laughs> of what was I would say the Yankees' worst loss of the year. But I mean, opening day would give them a run for their money I mean, too, and to have two losses like that in the first six games of the season doesn't bode really well. Bad. But I know it's early, but like we're mad, so let's just like let's vent. It's really bad when you can say, "Yeah, this was their worst loss of the year," when it is Game Six, they have three losses total, and there's one that can arguably kind of compete against today like the A's right now they're three and three and that's not you know terrible because we're six games into the season that's yeah no Luigi and I recorded on Sunday night after um we we had lost two out of three to Mm -hmm. uh the Blue Jays and we 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 said a couple nights ago like if we take two out of three we're sitting three and three Oh, you know, record yeah. six games this season doesn't matter, but it's a it's, it's, fine. There's still 156 <laughs> games left in this season. Yeah, it's the fact that what we just watched was disgraceful. I want to gouge out my eyeballs so with rusty spoons. Things that this team has done or not done that does not bode well for the next few months, and it <sighs> really makes everyone's blood boil. Because... All right, so 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 right, right 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 off the top, let's just get this out of the way before I forget. So Alex and I were <laughs> talking before we recorded the official stat for the Yankees through six games of play uh, with runners in scoring position. They're twelve of fifty-five, which is a two eighteen batting average. Um, Honestly, two of those twelve hits did not leave the infield. You have the DJ RBI single to third base on, I believe it was Saturday that scored a run, even though it should have been recorded an error. Then you had um, Brett Gardner's infield single tonight where he slid into first base and um, it was called safe. Uh, and there was another hit where uh, Aaron yeah, Judge had a, had a rip single on Saturday uh, with first and second one out 
that I, it was it was a nice clean didn't single, but score, score a run. Yeah. So now you're talking about nine. Which that's not hits. on Judge, like the, the right, right. It's not Judge's fault, right? That he that he yeah. had a hit, and it was just hit so hard that the guy on second couldn't score. But now mm-hmm. you're talking about nine hits out of 55 at bats, scored runs, and one of them was John Carlos Stanton's grand slam, which Maybe by all accounts was awesome. But line. like, it's such. I know it's early, and I know that they, there's plenty of opportunity for them to turn this around, but this team has done this over and over and over again. It doesn't matter what year it is. It doesn't matter who's batting. It doesn't matter who's on the, on the roster. Like this is a consistent repeatable issue. And it's like, we're lying. If we tell you that we're not concerned, because like we're, we're absolutely concerned. I know it's six games in the season, but we're very concerned. No. And my problem right now is you look at them, they played two extra inning games so far on opening day and tonight. And Opening day, the Jays got a run because of the extra inning rule with the runner on second. We're not even going to go into that because we could spend three hours ripping that rule apart. Right, However, right. opening day, opening day, Nick Nelson. Opening day, he gave, he gave up a hit, run, they struck out the side, and he got yeah, that with, run with, with a loss in an RBI run. Like whatever. That run is Gritchick hitting an RBI double, and then three strikeouts. If it's so, for what it is, that's a run. The Yankees get the same type of scenario where it runner on second, nobody out, and then they strike out three times in a row. Terrible. But we already, you guys, you and Luigi already talked about that. Tonight, mm-hmm. they literally almost did the exact same thing. Like two innings in a row. Times. Yeah, two <laughs> innings in a row, where the first, in the 10th inning, they were down three to two. And then uh, Frazier and Bruce struck out against Cesar Valdez, who granted is wild to watch on the mound because all he does is throw change-ups that kind of defy physics but either way you kind of see it coming and you you go up there and you look at how frazier and bruce were swinging they were not swinging to get a single to go opposite field and try and get i forget who i think it was um wade was on yeah, Wade was on uh, yeah, Wade scored. Uh, second for them because he pinch ran for Stan. They were not swinging to go opposite field to try and get either Wade to third or to score him or get a gap or something. They were swinging to hit the ball 500 feet, which against a guy who's throwing 70 miles an hour and has the movement that he did, that is the worst approach to take that you it's, could possibly it's just, have. It's just so infuriating. Like, if you're talking yeah. about a guy, like, if the Orioles had a guy like like Chapman who's going to come in and pump, I mean, obviously he has his yeah. slider and a splitter, but if he's going to pump 100 down down the dick, and you could just tee one up, and and yeah. hopefully you can, you know, put it over put it over the fence and, and walk off on a two-on home run, fine. But yeah. against a guy like Valdez, who you're never going to get that pitch, He's a guy who's yeah. going to play to soft contact or going to mm-hmm. get you to try and swing and miss because he's deceptively creative with his stuff. Like exactly. you can't go up there swinging for the fences, just make contact. Yeah. Just make contact. If you hit, if it gets to someone fine, but at least you hit the ball, the problem, I don't know the stat right now, but they have struck out so many times with runners on base. It's not right. even we, like we, we just had the stat, right? They're what 12 well, yeah, or 55 with runners in scoring position. But I'm willing but to like, admit that half the outs are be a strikeout. Yeah, or close to it. Because it's not even like they're going up there and they're hitting hard line drives right at people. I mean, Frazier did that, I think, either last night or the night before with a couple runners on. 
you know, good for him. He put the ball in play. He hit it hard. Just had bad luck. That's going to happen during the season. But the fact that they're not even making contact with the ball and they're not even like squaring the ball up and just trying to put it in play, they're just swinging for the fences and swinging right over the ball is the real problem here. They're not even doing anything at all. They have no approach going up there. And that's the biggest problem right now. Like the Yankees would have lost in the 10th inning if their backup catcher hadn't gotten an RBI single with two outs to tie the game. Which, by the way, was a bang-bang play and almost didn't yeah. score Wade. Uh, I, I mean, we, we talked. I talked about this in the chat, and everyone got on me because I was mad about – I was still mad oh about God, the, the Glaber play, which which we can out. which we can get into. But how and the immediately the off the bat, Michael K was like, place. "Oh, this this that'll tie the game." And then, oh wait, let's see. And then the throw came in. It was like a bang bang. Like he was just he just overshot it so quickly. But like whatever. That's I'm, I'm not gonna get Any, mad at Michael K. <laughs> anyways, yeah. No, but I mean, I, I was I was still admittedly mad about the Glaber play, which we'll get into for a second. Uh, in a second, just like well, that's oh. what I but, said to you. But but it's just so infuriating that they do this over and over again offensively yeah. with 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 chances to drive in runs, and they're just swinging for the fences. Like I love home runs, but you can't be swinging for the fences in every approach and thinking that yeah. you're always going to be the hero with a two run home run. Just put the ball in and play. The way, the way baseball is being played now is that it's three true outcomes for the majority of it, but it's not only three true outcomes. You still have players like DJ who go up there and get singles and doubles. And the Yankees, the past few years, and especially this year, it seems like are just kind of adopting the full-on wait for your pitch and then swing out of your shoes until you hit a home run. Mm -hmm. Except for DJ and, like, Gio. Because one thing I really like about Urshel is that he always seems to go up there. He never goes up there swinging for the fences. He all, he's one he always like will shorten up on his swing just to try and hit a ball into the gap or go opposite field. Yeah, and, and if he just happens to tee it up, awesome. Exactly. And like that, I think the perfect moment was was the grand slam he hit uh, against Cleveland in the playoffs last year. Like yeah, like you could see by his approach, he just wanted to hit a single up the middle. Oh yeah, yeah. And, he was oh, he just happened to get he just happened to get a pitch that he could hit. I think it was like ninety seven mm-hmm. right down the middle, and he just he, he put it four hundred and eighty feet or whatever it was from the plate. Yeah, but like exactly. that wasn't his approach. No, he never. He and DJ never have the approach of going, you know, four hundred fifty feet with the ball. But it's so many other people like. One thing I've noticed is that we can get into, you know, ripping Glaber apart now is that Glaber has kind of seemed like he's swinging out of his shoes so far this season. And I mean, his average right now is not as bad. I think he's like five for 21 or something. But I can think of two hits off the top of my head right now that are just him throwing the bat at the ball and dunking it into left field. Because he did that on opening day and he did that tonight. Mm hmm. So, and I want to say he against the Blue Jays, either opening day or on Saturday, he had a solid, like, opposite field line drive single. But none of the other hits stand out to me because he really has not shown any type of approach at the plate at all. And he's one, he really has been awful with runners on base. He His approach with runners on base like in on opening day, he struck out against Merriweather. Um, today, he was terrible. Just the first six games, he really has looked not 
he has not looked good at the play at all. And in the field is a different story. And and and, and I've, I've said that's that's the perfect segue into mm-hmm. uh, what what's going to get the most traction. Um, I think almost to a fault, Glaber's error tonight um, is going to take some heat off the offense. It's going to take some heat mm-hmm. off the approach. Yeah. Uh, we we've gone already at length what the struggles are, uh, but it, we're six games in the season, and Glaber's already made. What three very two very errors, but plays. one of them could have gone either way. The one on opening day could have gone either right, way. right. The ball that went right under his glove. Uh, yeah. But like, I don't understand how you make that throw, how you practice all off season after getting so much shit for how you played defense last season. I, I almost can't even put into words yeah. how how confounding it is. That that this guy just goes there and short arms these throws. You saw he double triple yeah. clutched. Um, I, there, there was the one play he made that, a couple of days ago where he kind of waited. Oh, there was another ball where it kind of hit him in the chest. It was like it was a tough hop immediately. But yeah. Boone openly said in the post game, like he he was way too passive on that. Like, why are you sitting back and waiting for the ball to come to you? Charge mm-hmm. it. Make sure that you don't get eaten up by a by a short hop like that. And he did the same thing today. Now, obviously, the hop yeah. itself didn't. There was no weird hop that that screwed him up. And then like he kind of sat is. back and then and then just double triple clutched mm-hmm. him and then just yanked it into the ground. Like, what are you doing? Kay made a good point too. He said Glaber kind of was just waiting for the ball to come to him, and then he saw that Severino was busting it down the line, so he rushed the throw and then just spiked it into the ground. And for me, it almost seems like he is so scared of making an error on the actual play that he's waiting and then realizes he doesn't have much time to throw the ball. So he's rushing the throw. And that's when you get wild with your throws. It's when like, there's no other reason that he should be so terrible with these throws on what look like routine ground balls, because otherwise he just, I don't even know what what his problem is here. Like he just has so it's like he has the yips almost because he throws the ball and it just doesn't even make it close to first base. Like the one, especially today was a good five, six feet in front of Bruce on a routine ground ball right to him. He had to put zero effort into getting that ball. It just came right through him. It's just so bad, man. Um, And, and we had a couple of people in, in our group chat to go on about, yeah, it's a bad throw, but Jay Bruce has to, has to make that, that scoop. First of all, Jay Bruce isn't a full-time first baseman. Second yeah, of all, no, he here's, literally here's made a game saving scoop boy, be a play before. No, here, here's my point with that. If it was Luke Voigt, I would have a completely different outtake on that because if you're a first baseman, that's a scoop you should make. It's not a play you're always going to make, but it is one you should make. Jay Bruce is not a first baseman. He was thrown into there because Voigt got injured. And the Yankees went, all right, well, you know what? You played first a little bit last year for the Phillies. You're going there now. Yeah, and look, no there, there's options. an argument to be made that, that he should have made that play and first baseman should make that play. But counterpoint, if Glaber doesn't make a complete – dog shit throw exactly. Jay Bruce doesn't have to scoop it in the first exactly. place like if anytime a first baseman bails out an infielder it's with, with a bad throw and scoops fault. them you you yeah. think you look at the, you look at him and go wow what a great play let's give him props but it's not their responsibility exactly. to carry the weight and constantly bail them out yeah um, 
and <sighs> Bruce already bailed out um, Green on his throw. It was the he, play right before, the right? Play literally, yeah, thirty seconds before it that he made, and he just spiked the ball into the ground. Bruce made a fantastic play to just kind of get the ball in front of him, and then the call was reviewed and stuff, and the out call was upheld. But still, he, for a guy that has is not a, th- a first baseman at all, and even like in his career, he has never been touted as a even average defensive player. The job he's done at first base for the Yankees is has been perfectly fine defensive-wise. Yeah, and, and I don't want it to be forgotten just because we're, we're recapping all three Orioles games. I know we're, we're kind of getting in the weeds on, on tonight's bad loss, but Japers made a fantastic play in the first yeah. inning of, of last night's game uh, mm-hmm. to make a nice uh, a, a nice scoop on, on a short hop and then make a perfect throw to the plate where, yeah. where Gary it's didn't even, didn't even have to move the glove. He literally caught yeah. it and dropped it right on, on, on the base runner to get, I, I was probably Mullins, right? I forget it, who it was, but it was Mullins. Yeah. Yeah. I just, a, a perfect throw. So, I mean, we're not going to get critical on Bruce's defense because he's already no. in six games proven to be as competent awesome. as we probably would have expected. And the, th- and the thing is, he's not the, long-term first baseman here he is not the guy the Yankees have put on this roster thinking all right yeah he's good he's going to be the guy that we're going to win the World Series with with him at first he's the guy they have on the roster to hold hold the fort until Voight recovers from his knee surgery right because Voight I mean is pretty solid defensively he's better than Bruce but that's also because he's a natural first baseman Right. So you can't expect Bruce to be making every single play because of the fact he's not a natural first baseman. Right. All right. So so as as we're we're getting into this, um, G popped onto uh, the call here. Um, what's going on, man? Uh, glad to have you here. And w- w- what are your thoughts on on what we just witnessed tonight? I, I know you're as frustrated as we as we are. Uh, what's up? Heading into tonight's game, I wasn't super annoyed even though they hadn't done great with runners in the scoring position, like, you know, John Sterling, that's baseball. But, like, tonight, obviously, it was really frustrating because, and I commented on this in the ninth inning to a friend of mine, I was like, the Orioles have two runs came in, like, the third inning. The Yankees have two runs on 12 hits and God knows how many other walks. Like, you know, there's going to be games where you don't score like that. And I was feeling like generally okay. Cause I was like, you know what? They're getting lots of runners on base. They're working at bats. They're doing what they usually do. And they're just not getting like the hit, but it's the first week of spring training or first week of the, like, the season. And a lot of these guys, like, you know, I don't know, extended spring, like they still have to just get at bats and get their timing, whatever. Like that's 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 one thing that's 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 the whole that's one thing but like the whole glaber torres not being able to throw to first base thing is not new and it's you know not to say like it's in you know like you can't come back from it but it's fairly inexcusable at this point like he's in his what is it his fourth full season now like yeah yeah you know top prospect like this and that the other thing like he can't throw to first base. Yeah. What position on the field are you supposed to put someone where they can't throw? Like, 
Yeah. First base. <laughs> first base. No, I mean, not even. You, I mean, no. Yeah, I mean, there's so, plays yes, to play, but, like, but right. I mean, the, inf- like, the infrequency of that. He can't throw to first base. Like, you know, we said, yeah. you know, for Derek Jeter, right? He's a classic example to be like, you know, oh, Derek Jeter made 20 whatever errors his first season when he came up. Yeah, he was a rookie. Like, look at how quickly like, the number's not a rookie off. anymore. Like, the and, and the thing about Jeter so is he, he admittedly had much lacking in his range, right? But every time the ball was hit right to him, he gloved it cleanly. He made a strong throw right at the first baseman's chest. Uh, and I, I take that 10 times out of 10 compared to, to Glaber's potential upside with his range. And you have to hold your breath every time he fires across the diamond. Like that's, that's the thing that, that I mean, not, not we have to have a history lesson, but like Jeter obviously did not have great range. That's not news, but like he utilized just positioning and, you know, know how basically to compensate for that. And like you just said, he just made the routine play every single time. And that's how he played the shortstop until he was 40, whatever he was old. He just, the balls hit to him. He just picked it up and threw it to first base every single time. Like, I don't care. You know, Glaber's got better range. Like, whatever, that's fine. Just throw the ball to first base. Like, we lost a game because of that tonight. And that's just a really stupid way to lose a game because your shortstop can't make a routine play to throw to first base. It really is, because if you think about how different the narrative is, uh, I, I know, blah, 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 fallacy of the predetermined outcome. Uh, Glaber makes that throw. We're sitting here recording, talking about how awesome it was that we just swept the Orioles. Higgy's the hero, walk-off hit. This is great. We're 4-2. and two. Tampa just got swept by Boston. Uh, we're in first place. Toronto lost 2 out of 3 to, to Texas. Everything's great, whatever, right? But we're sitting here spending the first 20 minutes of this of this podcast just bitching complaining about a game that we had no business losing and yet we still lost like mm-hmm. say what you want about predetermined outcomes like yeah it, you can't you know you can't foresee that but like you would be going to the bottom of the 10th and thanks to rob manfred's stupid rule like you're gonna get a runner on second base with no outs and you're not playing from behind like who knows and that's the you know, only it's, appeal it's, it's about that extra right? in rule like you can't predict how that's going to change a batter's mindset in the box, but like you're not maybe pressing or whatever because you're not playing from behind. Like you need to score the run, but like still, it's really annoying. And I mean, it sucks for, um, what was it? It was Chad Green, right? Like it sucks for him because he got the shaft pretty much in two different innings, but like, ugh, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's just really fucking annoying. It really is. And, and look, I, I, I don't want to beleaguer this too much because there are, there were still two other games in this series and, and we, we did win both of them. So let's let's rewind the clock a little bit back to Monday um, series opener. Uh, we, we, we talked already on the previous podcast how how concerning the first series against Toronto was, but Yankees turned the page very quickly on Monday night. Uh, we had Jordan Montgomery make his first start of the year, and and I gotta say, I mean Jordan looked fantastic he's he not a guy phenomenal. who's going to dominate anyone with high velocity yeah he's not going to dominate anyone with with white bat stuff but he's been incorporating his his cutter a little more and he's pitching to soft contact and if he can pitch like he did on monday all season he's the perfect number five guy in your rotation and the thing with montgomery is that he's one like you said he's not going to blow anyone away and he never has been that type of power pitcher that's you know going to throw a fastball by you but he 
when his command is on, he's one of the better pitchers in the Yankees rotation because he knows exactly where to throw each one of his pitches when he's when his command is on. His problem comes from lack of command. When he's off, and when we've seen him be off in the past, when he really is not having the best control of his stuff, he is all over the place. He throws way too many pitches. He walks guys. He leaves pitches over the heart of the plate. And that's where his problems lie. But when he's on his game, like he was on Monday, he really just baffles players in the map because you look at his stuff. He's got a fastball. that sits like 92, 93. He's got a cutter. He's got his changeup and he's got his curveball that he pretty much always kind of spikes in the dirt. Um, and he always uses that as his out pitch. So if you throw a, you know, a couple fastballs that are perfectly located and then you throw a curveball in the dirt, that's going to get a lot of hitters because the way that they come out of the way that they come out of his hand all looks so similar. And they made a bunch of really good points on the broadcast on Monday that his release point for every single one of his pitches looks exactly the same. So you don't know what's coming until the ball is coming at you. Because right, unless you're sitting on a specific pitch, the exactly the, the his, discrepancy in in the velocities is is going to take you uh, exactly. It's going to catch you off guard, and that that's where he's effective. Throw, you don't need to throw 100 miles an hour as long as you have the deceptiveness that he does, because his arm slot is the same for every single one of his pitches. So if he's throwing a curveball that's 78 miles an hour, or a fastball that's 93, that change in velocity right there as long as they look like the exact same pitch coming out of his hand is enough to pull any hitter on that's against you. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he's, he, again, granted it was against the Orioles who are not the best team in the game, but their lineup is not a throwaway. Like they didn't look, score. This, this was I mean, a day after the Orioles and... scored 11 runs or 10 runs against, against the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, again, they, not a great pitching staff. Have... Their offense scored 10 runs the day before. Yeah. But if you, okay. If you look at the Orioles lineup, they really do not have a terrible lineup. Like, so one through nine, so like they have Mullins who really, he was awful the past few seasons this year. He's off to a fantastic start, you know, props to him. Mancini in his career has been a very solid player. Um, you got guys like Michael Franco, who he's kind of a reclamation project. Ryan Mountcastle is like one of their top pro. He's one of their top prospects. He was really good last year. And then you got guys like Freddie Galvis and Cisco and Pedro Severino. And just, you know, guys that are not terrible, but are not going to win a World Series for you. Right. But and arguably the, their their best hitter, Anthony Santander, um, didn't even play on Monday. Exactly. Because of, um, I want to say it was because Montgomery is a lefty, but he's a switch hitter. So, yeah. I don't, I but I think, I think his splits are way better as lefty yeah. hitter. But either way, it's just the Orioles do not have a terrible lineup. They're not, you know, the Pirates. So for Montgomery to go out there and just completely baffle the Orioles lineup on Monday is a feat in its own because he really looked good. And I think he would have been as dominant as he was against any team. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you look, you look at his line, six innings, four hits, no walks, no earned runs, seven strikeouts. Um, that's 
<laughs> I'm tempted to be like, that's A stuff, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, if, if that's what you're getting on a consistent basis from your number five starter, the Yankees mm-hmm. are, are in pretty good shape. And coming into today, and uh, I'd have to run the numbers. Uh, I, I can't imagine giving up three runs, um, two of the, uh, excuse me, four runs, and I think only two of them which are earned um, over 11 innings is going to hurt the cause. But the Yankees came into tonight's game with the best ERA uh, for their entire pitchers after Major League Baseball. Um, mm-hmm. and that obviously well, you look at the Yankees so far, they really they have not given up any runs no. at all. It's like opening day, the Jays scored three runs. Day, game after that, the Jays scored three runs. On Sunday, the Jays scored three runs. Right. Monday, the that, Orioles scored nothing. Yes. Uh, yesterday, they scored two on a garbage time two-run home run. Which, by the way, shouldn't have even happened. <laughs> exactly. And then yesterday, or Tonight, they scored four runs, two of which, like you said, were unearned because they were both runners that were on second base. And Inherited was... runners, yeah. Exactly. Uh, and so the Yankees pitching staff right now is not even near the source of their problems. Like, no, and, and I do want to give a quick shout out to, to Luis Sessa, who went two mm-hmm. innings, uh, no hits, no runs, one walk, three strikeouts uh, on, on Monday, and then got out of a a big jam tonight, which yeah. set the Yankees up to tie the game or win in the bottom of the 11th. They ultimately didn't, but he came in relief of, of Chad Green. <laughs> and and, and he, he was and helped by, by a questionable call to get out of the inning. But Luis says has looked very good. Uh, we talked yeah. about Jonathan Loisaga on the last podcast. He came in and looked very good again tonight. Um, we have Nick Chapman Nel- back, and he's looked good. good. Nick Nelson's great. I, the, there's quality arms up and down the bullpen. the bullpen. And we talked so about this in our preseason in our preseason um, preview that we, we were sure like, is that maybe the underbelly of the Yankees? Uh, is there their middle relief? Like so far, there's no questions there. We're, we're, yeah. Those guys are locked and loaded. Well, no, we said that like the pitching of the Yankee, the Yankees pitching staff right now could be their weakness, but they also have, it also has so much potential. And right now they're really harnessing that potential because you got guys like Loisaga who is the perfect example of unbelievable stuff. Hasn't been able to use it. So far, he's looked phenomenal. Nick Nelson's the same way. Um, Sessa's looked very good so far. And Sessa's another one. He's always had pretty good stuff. He just sucks. <laughs> I don't even know how else to put it. Because he's not one that he even, like, walks guys or has terrible command. He just somehow finds ways to just suck. Yeah, you, you, you're talking – I mean, we, we... – Jesus, <laughs> admittedly quiet right now. Sure, he's biting his tongue, but he's the uh, the number one fan of the uh, Luis Sessa sucks train. <laughs> Dude, he's a star in his role, man, and that role is be the guy who comes in when it's a blowout. And I will admit that I was pretty surprised to see him in a high leverage spot here, and he did pretty well tonight. Well, so I mean, it was him. either him or a Lynch, tip of the cap. So. I mean, dude. I'm not gonna not gonna question Aaron Boone. The man pushed the button and, and it worked out for him. Well, there wasn't really no one else in 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 the bullpen. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There was nobody else <laughs> in the bullpen. <laughs> it wasn't like it was, he went to somebody's choice, was, but he came like through. When he took, when he took no, three, like, no, that's all well and good. Well, I'll, 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 like he's got good stuff. He always has had good mm-hmm. stuff. I'm just saying that like traditionally for the last couple of years he's been just like a mop up guy. Yeah, and they haven't used him. They haven't. Attempted to use him. He hasn't been a high he hasn't spots. really been a higher leverage situation guy ever, except so, for yeah. the times that they've started him, which was a roller coaster in itself. 
Yeah. So when we start doing bullpen trust list again, um, don't expect spoiler alert. Don't expect to see Luis Sessa on my bullpen trust list. I think we we may be debuting that uh, on on Sunday night. After yeah, I was going to say we, we should series. do that after the Rays series. Yeah, that that'll be a good, a time good time for for the inaugural twenty twenty one BBB bullpen trust list. Yeah. Yeah. Like and yeah, after I, the race and, series, when we're all feeling good and or ready to walk out into traffic because of the race. <laughs> uh, let's hope it's not the latter. Uh, it's, I, so it'll I, be I, one or the other. We know that it's not going to be yeah. any. There's not going to be and, any middle ground here. Right, right. So, so the Yankees bullpen has definitely been uh, a bright spot early on, but I, I don't want to glaze over um, this this guy, Gian Carlos Stanton. I. I What's his, what's his name? I, I, I don't know, but he, he hit a ball on Monday that I, I don't know, has, has, has come down to earth yet. Um, I think it landed somewhere in Egypt, I think they said. I mean, that, that checks out, right? Yeah. Um, look, 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 I, I was telling my, my brother on, on Easter, right? We're watching um, the Yankees you know, get manhandled. Well, I don't want to say manhandled, but they, they were, they got absolutely strapped up by uh, the Blue Jays pitching staff and Stan didn't even play on Sunday. Right. But mm-hmm. I, I said, I, I was, I was bitching and complaining to him about the offense then hitting, you know, hitting with runners in scoring position. But I remember I said to him explicitly, like the one guy I'm not worried about is Stanton only because he's the kind of guy who needs consistent at bats. He needs yeah. to get like 10, 15 at bats. And if it means he strikes out a bunch mm-hmm. over the first week of the season, he's going to get hot. And then the next day he well, hit a ball Stan, in the orbit. Stan put it perfectly on his postgame conference on Sunday. He said, um, you know, he's he started out over nine. I want to think it, I want to say it was, yeah, the grand slam was his first hit of the season. <laughs> and he, he started, he started out terrible, but he said like, any other time in the season, no one's going to think twice about him going overnight. But because it's the start of the year, people are looking for headlines. They're looking for things to focus in on and to just make a big deal about. And it Dude, didn't help I that mean, he went he went over two with two strikeouts in his first spring training game. And there was already an article in the New York Post yeah. about his slow start. So, like, he's going to be a guy who tracks those headlines regardless exactly. of what he does. But I mean, he, it's the New York Post. <laughs> I mean, if you look at his series against the Orioles, though, his, he hit the Grand Slam. He hit a double yesterday. He had two hits tonight. But one thing that I noticed is that Nomad is that every single time he makes contact, that ball goes 500 miles an hour. Dude, Stan yeah. is so funny, right? He hits like, he'll hit like 115 mile an hour, like single up the middle. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Well, what did Aaron Boone call him last night? He said he's a unicorn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he basically is. Like, like, and when he gets, if he gets on a roll, there's no stopping him. It's just getting him to the point where he's comfortable enough to go up there and just kind of sit back and murder the ball. Right. So, so there, there, there's two factors in that, right? It's consistent yeah. at bats and it's health. And as mm-hmm. long as he can stay in the lineup four or five times a week and, yeah. and continue to, to see pitches, He's gonna get hot at some point, and there's gonna exactly. be a stretch where he carries the team for a week or two weeks yeah. or a month, <laughs> and it's gonna be a he, shitload of fun. <laughs> and people really love to just rip him apart because, granted, when he swings and misses at pitches, like when he swings and misses at an off-speed pitch, there's not many people who look worse than he does. Like he, his swing looks awful, 
when he's when it's like a curveball inside or slider low and away, he looks like he has no idea how to swing a bat. And then you see him hit the grand slam that he did on Monday, and that swing is a thing of beauty because he it was perfect. Like there was nothing he could have done better there. Mm-hmm. And he, so as long as he makes contact, he's fine. And that's just all about timing. And like you said, he just needs consistent at bats, and then his timing will get back. And and if you if you look at what he he backed it up with, right? He went two for four uh, on Tuesday night. Um, he had a, he had an RBI, but um, obviously got off that that over with the grand slam, and then immediately got back into the box score. And then tonight, uh, I gotta pull it up, but he definitely had. Um, at least a big double at one point, right? Yeah. So the box, he's he went two for five tonight. So um, after starting off over nine, over ten um, through six games, he's hitting two thirty eight, which is you know not awful considering the slow start. Um, yeah. And, and he has. I mean, you take out those important ten hits in three straight hit. games. That's that's yeah, good. Exactly. <laughs> well, and today he had two hits, and both of those hits were destroyed. Like, and to see him just hitting a couple of singles is also a really good sign just because mm-hmm. he can, it shows that he's not selling out for every single pitch. Right. I mean, he's selling out for a lot of them, but like he's still getting hits, which is yeah, fine. But look, but look, one strike yeah. out and five at bats tonight. I mean, I'll take that 160 games a year. Yeah. No, he strikes no. out every he's single game all year. I don't care. <laughs> no, it's the thing is nice. strikeouts, like you can get on stand for strikeouts as much as you want, but strikeouts are never going to be a thing that doesn't happen on the stand. So you can't get mad at Stan for striking out just because that's the type of player he is. He's going to strike out, but he'll make up for it with you know the amount of home runs that he hits as long as he stays healthy. Right. The problem with strikeouts is you can't have it be three straight batters in the bottom of the ninth or bottom of the yeah. tenth or bottom of the eleventh inning. When you have a runner on second, down a run, you need to get a guy over with two outs and you can tie mm-hmm. the game. Um, so <laughs> we've already yeah. exhausted that point. Uh, but speaking of strikeouts, guys, um, the New York Yankees have an ace, and uh, he absolutely bludgeoned the Baltimore Orioles last night to the tune of seven innings and thirteen strikeouts, no runs. Uh, his area, I think, is like one point four five through one, two games. Four, six, Garrett seven, Cole is just a joy to watch. He's like, not. He, he's, he's just not too so bad, much- is he? No, uh, I'm sorry, guys. Garrett Cole, man, this guy is not. This guy's like this guy is a maniac. Like he's he looks like an absolute psychopath out there on the mat on the mound, and then he goes back, and you could just have like a chill conversation with him after the game. Like that's not that's mm-hmm. not a stable person. This guy is crazy. Like, <laughs> like he's an incredible pitcher. He's he, like yeah. I, I can't even say enough about it. He, he was throwing you know four pitches that no, the Orioles couldn't hit a fucking any single one of them. Like. And then he's just hanging out after the game. Like one of my favorite things money well from, spent. One of my favorite things from this start that he had was if you look on Twitter, Pitching Ninja put out a gif of an overlay of his curveball and his fastball from points against I think it was against Santander yesterday. And it they literally Was that was that the, the the good luck hitters one? Yeah, the <laughs> exact <laughs> same line until like Halfway His release until the release, right? Until he not even wind up after the after the release. Literally, like halfway to the batter's box, they look like the exact same pitch, and then you just see the curveball just fall onto the ground. Right. And so the, the identical wind up, the identical arm slot, 
Yeah, <laughs> it is the wildest thing ever. And, and one's, one's 83, one's 101. Exactly. <laughs> There's like, no how chance. How do you hit that? And people wonder why hitters will swing at pitches in the dirt. It's because the, of this the deception like that where you think it's a 100-mile-an-hour fastball coming right to you, and because you have no reaction time because there's a ball 100 miles an hour coming at you, you swing not realizing that it's 20 miles an hour slower and in the dirt. Right. And, and I don't know. And I don't know about you guys. Um, but but for me, the, the fastest pitch I ever I ever faced was, I don't know, 65, 68, maybe. Um, that was back even, even 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 the slowest off speed pitch from from a, a high end arm like like Gary Cole, um, the, the the time between release point to the time it either hits the dirt or the catcher's mitt is like what six tenths, seven tenths of a it's second. Like it's, it's an it's, impossibly I, I short reaction time. Yeah. So yeah. can you imagine how much faster it is when the pitch is now coming in at 100, 100, 102? Yeah. Like you have to guess. You have to see real quick. You can't pick up. Right? Maybe you can you can see the grip on the fingers if, mm-hmm. if the guy doesn't no, hide it well enough. But you can't pick up rotation on in, in that short of a window. You just have to just guess <laughs> and hope yeah, for the best. Exactly. Well, on a fastball like that, it's like a fastball that's coming at you at 100 miles an hour is something that you really can't hit unless you're sitting on that. You have to be thinking, all right, this is going to be a fastball, and I'm going to swing at it no matter what and hope that I catch up to it. And if it's I mean, not, look, then you're screwed. You, you always got to be sitting dead red. But like, what else is there to do? No one's going up there to breaking ball. Like, And that's what makes Cole so deadly is because anytime someone's hit sitting dead red against him, he throws – you know, one of his other unbelievable pitches. And anytime he, someone is sitting off speed, he just throws a fastball by him. Like, and you haven't even really, you know, maybe you haven't talked about it quite as much generally over the last couple of years where he's come into, you know, prominence as like one of the best few pitchers. But like that changeup is so nasty. Mm-hmm. That's like, it's, it's, he it's really, he just, doesn't have a pitch that isn't nasty. No, I mean, no, but that's just mean. Like, yeah. that changeup is just rude. Like, <laughs> And the fact that he can dot it on the corner at 91 miles yeah. an hour. The fact that 91 miles an hour is a change of pace pitch is just silly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I love um, seeing him just throw like 98 on the corner and then throwing his changeup in the exact same spot. Like, how rude is that, you know? I mean, it's funny because, like, in the era, like, where everyone's throwing 100, everyone's throwing really hard, and everyone's throwing pitches that move a lot. Like, you look at Garrett Cole's pitches, and it's just, you know, an eye test thing. They just look fast. Yeah. Like, not everyone's pitches look fast. Like, his mm-hmm. just look fast, and they look just really just devastating. Then and one thing I, I noticed with him last night, and, and, and maybe this is me just not remembering how he looked last year, but um, it looked like he has a shorter arm path. Uh, it looks very similar to the way Jamison Tyone threw the ball tonight. Yeah. And that's actually encouraging because that's stuff that's going to protect your legs. It's going to protect your mm. arm, your shoulder. They were talking elbow. about that. They were talking about that on the broadcast tonight where they were saying a lot of more pitchers, it seems, are going towards having the very short arm slot. Like how we mentioned before, how Giolito did that. You see guys like Shane Bieber and Zach Plesak and even Tyon doing that because it really protects your arm better because the more rotation you put on your arm, the more strain you put on it and the more like you're going to be 
injured and they had the and over you're, you're you're generating all your power all your velocity from exactly. your legs which yeah, is, i really is did awesome cringe i really did cringe when they showed that like before and after video of tyone tonight mm-hmm. and like it's crazy you know it looks yeah, so much now, but like when he previously was literally just like slaying the ball like he was just whipping yeah. it and yeah, you can see why he fucked up his elbow when, twice. Yeah, yeah. When he, when he like was it was all the, uh, it was just like all arm pirates. Yeah, you saw the pitch. The video they showed tonight was the one when he was facing Chase Headley. I don't even know what year that was. Twenty fifteen, <laughs> oh, sixteen, or seventeen. One of those years. I mean, we uh, know it was at least two years ago because that's yeah. Anyway. Was, was, that, was that the Chris Car was that the Chris Carter um game? It might have been game? I think it was twenty seventeen then, yeah. <laughs> and it just he looked and his arm is just kind of like a windmill. It just goes back and he just slings the ball in. And now tonight there's a little bit of movement, but he starts out with his like once he starts his movement, his hands are like against his body. And then when his foot front foot goes down, he's already throwing the pitch where against the Yanks in twenty seventeen they were saying his foot goes down and his arm is basically still behind him. So all of that power is generated from space, from his arm going forward. Where yeah, it's, it's, it's very windy and, it, and exactly. it's so much tension and pressure on your joints. Mm-hmm. Where tonight all, all of this power is coming from his entire body and not just his arm. Which is encouraging that the Yankees let him go as long as he did. Um, I, I know I was talking with um, Luigi uh, pregame just because I, I had – uh, what, what one of the props that, that I actually bet on tonight was would he have over or under uh, five and a half strikeouts? And he actually said, um, I, I'm actually concerned that he may not get that just because they're going to have a short leash on him. And mm-hmm. yeah, he racked up seven tonight. Um, seven in, in a very limited there. number of pitches. Um, he, he looked great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, 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 I don't no, think no, there's no, any, there's nobody that can actually be like angry that they took him out so soon. Um, and it's inevitable that there's probably going to be people on Twitter that are like, oh, my God, why are they taking him out so early? But this guy hasn't pitched in almost two years to the day. Right. So and, and ultimately, it had no bearing on the outcome of the game. Um, exactly. In his first start <laughs> of the year, you're not going to have him throw 120 pitches. Like, they pushed his first start with the Yankees back so that he would just get some more rests because they're putting him on a kind of a strict workload. Mm-hmm. And they don't want him to hurt his arm again because of the fact that he's had two Tommy John surgeries. Yeah, but for him to go almost five innings, strike out seven guys uh, on just 70, two, 74 pitches. Yeah. And other than the two home runs, which were just, they were just bad pitches. Like you're, and you can't expect him to be perfect. Yeah, Corey Kluber gave a home run in his first start too, right? Like it's going to happen. Yeah. These guys have rust. Like whatever. What, what you're concerned about be. is, is how they looked over the over the long haul, um, mm-hmm. Kluber wasn't sharp and he got out of jams. Tyone uh, looked like he had his his um, good his, stuff, his right? good control. His stuff was moving yeah. very well. Uh, that's mm-hmm. what you focus on more than you do the results. Like exactly. if he pitches like that tonight, um, you know, later on in the season, in the playoffs, in the heat of a pennant run, whatever it may be, right? He's going to be stretched out. He's going to have a longer leash. Uh, if he looks that sharp over the course of the season and they can get 25 to 30 starts out of him, like yeah. that, then Brian Cashman hit the fucking jackpot with that trade. Mm-hmm. No, as of right now, that's I think. The sh- <clears throat> Sorry, that's the shit that like, you know, as much as we want to get in here, like it's very frustrating when you lose a game like this tonight, like, but 
we want to get on here and you know vent and rant and rave about certain things like Jameson Tyone and his performance tonight is not one of those things like similarly to the way we all said like Aaron Judge isn't going to dive for a ball in the warning track in the fifth game against the Orioles especially in a game where you have Garrett Cole pitching just because like you don't need to do that if it was the playoffs then yeah he's diving but like we don't care that Jameson Tyone only threw like 70 pitches and they took him out with yeah like it's all good the Yankees are a very cautious organization and it's you know it's fine the guy's coming back from you know elbow surgery and all this and that and the other thing like it's fine like it's it's very annoying that Gleyber Torres can't throw to first base I will yell about that all night I'm not at all concerned about the fact that you know they're gonna go slow with Tyone it's just smart mm-hmm. that's actually a good segue just because of one person we really haven't talked much about tonight is Aaron Judge and how you mentioned MG that he's not going to die. But, like, I don't know what to make of Judge right now just because of the fact that he did not play tonight. And it was because of soreness in his side that Boone said they're going to take it easy. They just want to give him today off. And then with the off day tomorrow, they just want to give him time to rest and he'd be available off the bench. And then... Uh, Boone said later on that uh, he wanted to stay away from using Judge, and he also said that Judge may not play on Friday. Yeah, I think the, the quote was, it, it's too soon to know if he'll be available yeah. on Friday. Uh, I, I, I gotta tell you guys, I'm really getting, getting sick and tired of this shit, right? Yeah. I, I, maybe it ends up being nothing. Uh, we heard Kyle Higashioka had side soreness too in, in mm-hmm. camp like two weeks ago. He missed like three days. They they scratched him from one start and then he was fine and he hasn't shown any um he's not he doesn't look any worse for the wear at this point. Uh but Judge has a history of oblique injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically I had I had this weird feeling, right? He hit that opposite field home run and he didn't really like cringe. He didn't like grimace, but I kind of had a feeling that that that's the injury, right? If we find out that he has a strained left oblique, like Mm. I promise you that's the moment. It's when he hit that opposite home run, when you you torque your body like that and you turn inside out, that seems to be his Achilles heel. And Mm. if he has to miss any time, it's just, I obviously the impact it's going to have on the team in the short run uh, obliques you can miss anywhere from what like two to six weeks and i don't want to think about the worst end of that but the yeah. fact that we're going through this say, again, especially after like everything yeah well yeah. especially after we we talked about him doing yoga and stretching and making mm-hmm. sure he had he had all these soft muscle issues gone going into the season for us to be having this conversation one week into the season again yeah i'm sick and tired of it it's a it's definitely a problem and like you know for all we know it could be nothing he could have just you know it could just be a cramp he could have slept wrong or something but because of the fact that he's had oblique problems in the past he had hit the oblique injury in 2019 that cost him a large portion of the season um he he in uh 2016 in his debut season he was when he was you know pretty bad he ended up missing like the last month of the season because of an oblique injury. Um, was last year, was that, was his injury? Was that also an oblique? I believe it was 2019. No, no, I'm saying 2020, the injury that made him 
miss like half the season last year. Oh, he had I a heard... calf injury last year, which okay, he hurt. Yeah. Ironically enough, on the Tropicana Field turf, which is where we yeah. are next. So, I mean, it's just, it, it's not a lot we'll of weekend, vibes <laughs> piling up right now. Yeah, I just, I don't know what to think with him. And, you know, Boone kind of actually makes a point just saying it's too soon to tell because I think it's just, it's too soon to tell whether or not this is becoming a huge problem for Judge. I mean, injuries already are a huge problem for Judge. I know they are, but if he literally, like the quote that got me was saying it's the wear and tear of the beginning of the season. Like wear and tear is not something that happens at the beginning of the season. That's and this is a guy who hasn't it's... dived to catch those balls. He hasn't sprinted in the outfield. He's only yeah. played the field four days and DH'd once. What mm-hmm. wear and tear? Gary Sanchez has caught five games. He's un- endured way more wear and tear, and he's fine. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, right, a right fielder who's DH'd one game, like that's not a wear and tear situation, especially after spring training when it's not like you're playing five days in a row in spring training. You're playing one game, playing for four or five innings, and then being taken out, playing maybe the next day, maybe the day after that. Like, at most, two games in three days. Like, that's not a thing that should wear your body down. And the fact that he is, is not a good sign. I mean, you want me to give you, like, the probably way too early, like, looking into the future answer? Not really, because some guys, Some guys just aren't built like that. Mm -hmm. Like, some guys who have all the potential in the world just are made of glass. Yeah, and I'm not saying and, you know Judge's you know career is over. Like he's still 20 whatever years old. He's got all the potential in the world. He's a great player, but like you know maybe it's a case of just continuing to you know try different things until you find the conditioning or the whatever routine that can keep you healthy. But like it, you know, and I mean like Andrew said too, like it could just be. Higashioka thing that like he needs a few days off he's yeah you know you have a whole winter of doing all sorts of different training things and you come and you start swinging a bat and doing baseball stuff strictly and maybe you just wake up one day and you're a little sore let's hope it's that but you know I can't blame Yankees Twitter and Yankees fandom in general for hearing that he's got soreness wherever and being like oh shit and ready to just you know lose it Mm -hmm. no and like for me I was in like 2019, I was a huge defender of Judge just because like his wrist injury in 2018 was kind of a freak thing because he got hit by a pitch. 2019, he twerked his oblique, and there was obviously something wrong with the Yankees' like strength and conditioning that year. So I feel like that was almost like a kind of freak thing. But now we're looking at last year, he tweaked his calf. And then this year, five games into the season, he's already sitting out because of soreness in his side. Like, this is not just freak injuries anymore. There's an actual problem here that isn't being addressed. It, it, it makes you wonder how long is. he's had this injury, too, right? Because mm-hmm. he, he was pulled out of the game, uh, I believe it was Monday night, right? He hit, yeah. he hit his first home run of the season. Um, the the opposite field home run I alluded to previously, mm-hmm. uh, he got pulled uh, in the last the seventh yeah, or eighth so it's, inning. It's not even like right? he's played all the full entirety of all five games. He's been pulled. He got pulled for uh, Talkman went in live right. or 
either Chalkman or Gardner win him last. And, and Boone even said in the post game, like, no, he's fine. And just wanted to get you know, yeah. these guys regular rest because because Glaber came out of that game too. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's just like whatever. We're up seven nothing. Well, and one thing but we've the noticed fact that we're past. having this conversation 36 hours later, like, was he really fine? Like, why, why would mm-hmm. you even lie? But that that this is the same. Well, we shit know we deal wasn't with. fine. He can't throw to first base. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, it seems like since Boone took over as manager, it's like the Yankees really have been just kind of covering up injuries, and or not really covering up, but it just seems like they're alluding I to mean, the fact like, that they're injured, but they're not actually saying anything. He's he's a little too optimistic, playing. too much to a fault. I think he always tries yeah. to downplay stuff and mm-hmm. even make when you feel playing, like everything's though. fine, but it's not. Like, even when they're playing, though, they're like you couldn't get more rest than the Yankees give their everyday players. You cannot get any more rested than these players are. No, like, it's like the fact that they really literally sat Stanton on Sunday after playing two days in a row is so telling because this guy hasn't played an inning in the field. He didn't, did he even play in the field in spring training? I think they said they were going to, and they didn't. I don't know if they yeah. did. I mean, he definitely did drills and whatnot. I don't know if he played it in a game, but like, yeah, you know, they didn't, you know, they, they basically said, you know, we don't want to just like doom him to DH eternity. Like, you know, yeah. he's still, he's still on their radar for, like because he's not a terrible priority. fielder. But ultimately, oh, I'm okay one. with that because if you have scheduled rest days, whatever, he played all three games in the Baltimore series. Mm, and, and I was going to do it. Well, they have a day off tomorrow, right? Exactly. So, yeah. like, ultimately, I don't I, – I know it's frustrating. Uh, at the beginning of the season, you're very excited to see your team. You want to see the A lineup seven days in a row, right? I, I get that. No, but no, no. But no, 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 we I, talked I, about on, on our on our preseason preview show uh, – Ideally, every Yankee plays between 145 and 150 games. Yeah, and no, and I'm not I'm fine. Not, like, if everyone misses 20 games, but they're all healthy the whole year, like, who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, no, and I'm, I'm going to say the last that. Yankee to ever play, like, consistently play like 150 games a year was Robinson Cano. Like, <laughs> yeah. well, and that was also in 2013. That was, yeah, I mean, different era, different, you know, organizational exactly. mindset and all that jazz. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's just like, I'm not expecting, you know, everyone to be in the lineup every day in a row. It just seems kind of like they're overkill that they're sitting, you know, guys like Stan and Judge because they're so injury prone. But I it's, mean, it's what you have to do in order to keep them healthy. And that's kind of a problem when these two are the two guys you need to stay healthy in order for the Yankees to succeed this year. Well, Yes, that's definitely. I mean, I'm far more concerned with Judge at this point than I am with Stan. Yeah, no, I, Stan has showed. You know, the last couple of years sucked and are very concerning. But Stan has showed for large stretches of his career that he can stay healthy. Yeah, and I yeah, think, no, that's that's a good point. Stan has had full seasons where Judge hasn't had a full season since 2017. Yeah, like and even then he was still injured. Because he injured his shoulder during the home run derby that year. And he played through <laughs> that, at least. Exactly. Like, he literally hasn't had a full season where he hasn't gotten an injury. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very... The whole judge thing, like, let's just keep your fingers crossed and, you know... Like, yes. I think part of it, for me... And, you know, they're going to rest. You know, you're not going to see the same lineup probably two days in a row until who knows when. 
like but for me it's just like a ramping up thing mm. you know last year was obviously very odd this year is more normal you come in and you get some spring training games going like you're just ramping up the yankees are gonna be very cautious and all i care about is you know that you're peaking in september yeah. so if it Which takes we talk about year up, after year, but it doesn't actually happen, right? Um, it's not going to happen. We, until we it mentioned does. a number of times that the Yankees seem to get healthy every year right before the playoffs. Um, Stanton in a home run in the first game of the ALCS in 2019, and they got hurt, and they didn't really play the rest of the time. Um, Stanton was 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 healthy last year and hit six home runs. Judge was healthy. Um, didn't really, I mean he had? I, I believe he had a pretty. I think it'd go ahead, probably the game-winning home run in Game One of the ALDS yeah, the Rays last now. year, but then didn't was kind of invisible the rest of the series. Um, well, he had a he had a home run in Game Five too. Right, so I I don't I don't want to get. I mean, I, I don't want to just fall back into the oh well whatever who cares as long as we're healthy by by September and October because you really almost need to be healthy as yeah. late as like August well, and then play and the for th- forty five straight games and then have that momentum going into the playoffs. And the thing is too, this year it the AL East is not a gimme either. Like in twenty nineteen, there really was no team that was going to compete against the Yankees except for the Rays because the Rays did make the playoffs. They didn't get to well, get the Rays were the surprise. Games. Remember, it was supposed to be the Red Sox as the defending champs. Yeah, and then we kind of dismantled them. Mm-hmm. But. And then last year, the Rays obviously showed that they were good enough to make it to the World Series. And this year, the Jays have the Jays look completely different, and they're you know the pitching is a question mark, but they have a lot of talent. The Rays still have talent; they still could be a force. The Red Sox and the Orioles, we you know, on paper, we don't think that they're going to be good at all. But for all we know, they could be surprise teams. It's like the AL East this year as of right now, does not look like a division the Yankees are going to run away with. So guys like Stan and Judge, you are kind of more crucial than ever for to stay healthy just mm-hmm. so they can get back to the playoffs. Especially because right now Void is hurt. Hicks doesn't look mm-hmm. like he's going to contribute. As of now, he can always get hot at any moment. Uh, yeah. Glaber struggling. Uh, if ever a time you, you needed the Twin Towers in the middle of your lineup carrying you mm-hmm. for a full season. Like I don't yes. think this is going to be a year of next man up and a year of replacement players. Exactly. Uh, I like people are going to get hurt. That's going to happen every year. But mm-hmm. I think this is the year where you really are banking right. on those guys. And so far, Stan's playing the part. Uh, yeah, Judge, Stan and Judge right now both have looked really good when they're playing. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're struggling and then it's like. They're they're secretly playing through an injury, and that's why they're doing terrible. They're both they both have looked very good so far to start the season. Like I'm really okay with them, you know. If they have a plan for Stanton, you know that's it's fine by me. If it's just a ramping up thing, if it's just a getting into your regular season flow and routine, and like that's all well and good. Judge is a whole other thing for me at this point because like who really knows, you know? Yeah. But like for the, I mean, for the team in general, right? Like, you know, they're going to have off days. They're going to have rest days. It's all well and good. They have a very deep team. They have a very good and talented team. Like, you know, but it's Stan and Judge that are the key, the feature of this mm-hmm. lineup. Like, and if you, oh God, if you, if you have to lose Judge for a little while, then, you know, that sucks. But like Stanton is really uh, he's just a really goddamn good baseball player. Like, mm-hmm. so if you're gonna lose one, then just 
do your damnedest to protect the other one. So yeah, I mean, exactly. just just like there's there's cause for concern, but I'm perfectly okay if they're being extra cautious now if it's gonna mean that you know they're gonna be peaking at the right time, which fingers crossed. Right. So I, I, I'm just thinking about this right now that we, we didn't mention this at all during the podcast and we don't really have to get into too great lengths to bit. Um, but you know, if judge misses some time, potentially do we maybe see Jay Bruce slide over to right field, DJ go to first and maybe recent acquisition, Rudnett Odor play second base potentially. That, that's a good, um, maybe, or do we just point. have Talkman play in his spot? I, I, I don't want to, I would, our I'm going to say, I would think it's a combination of all. I would think they kind of maybe oh, they couldn't even platoon. No, I think say, what, yeah, I would think I, I would think the outfield kind of is like a s- rotating between um, Hicks and Gardner in center, and then you have like Clint and Bruce in right, and then Talkman and Clint and Gardner in left. Like just I mean, a combination if, of everyone, I would imagine. Yeah, talking like a play center field too. So. If Judge yeah, is going to exactly. miss time, then I feel like you're going to see a probably like a Gardner, Hicks, Clint outfield mm-hmm. most every night. Yeah, or maybe a honestly, he's still good enough to win too. games. Yeah, exactly. but I, you you don't want to have to fall back on that when you have uh, a former AL MVP runner up. Um, on your roster who just can't exactly. field. But again, no, let's, let's, let's not, be, let's not, let's not write any checks before we, we have to. Um, let, let, let's end the show here. Uh, quickly looking forward to uh, the Tampa Bay series. There's, the Yankees are off tomorrow, uh, Thursday, uh, April 8th, but they'll resume play on April 9th at Tropicana Field. Uh, it'll be the Rays home opener, so we're going to have to... Uh, the Yankees are going to be right there, front and center, when the Rays raise their um, AL pennant banner in front of Gross. their limited capacity fans, which for them is full capacity, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but um, expected starters for, for Friday night. We have Kluber against old man Rich Hill. Uh, Saturday, it's Domingo Herman against Chris Archer, who actually, I believe he came out of the bullpen in his first appearance. Uh, it's been the first time he starts for the Rays in like seven years. Um, and of course it's against the Yankees because why wouldn't it be? Uh, and then Sunday, the Yankees had Jordan Montgomery scheduled to pitch uh, and the race have not yet announced a starter. Uh, my guess is it'll probably be um, Mike Waka in this spot, or maybe they'll do a bullpen day. Uh, but what, what do we think um, going, going into this series guys, the, the Rays are coming off uh, a sweep at Fenway park. They got absolutely bludgeoned by the Red Sox. Um, so, so I'm sure they're going to have a chip on their shoulder and they're going to obviously be fired up to, to play the Yankees. That's a budding rivalry that's going to be burning all year long. Um, what are our thoughts going into this series? If Chris Archer's back on the Rays, does that mean we're eventually going to be hearing about how the Yankees should acquire him again? Uh, Don't um, you dare. That's my only See, joke. Sorry, we can. Yeah. My, my thought right now is where's Brian McCann when you need him because he's the only one that was ever able to hit off of Archer. I mean, big <laughs> numbers, bro. Everyone's able to hit off Chris Archer. Like, yeah, I know. I'm now. I'm just. No, I, I mean, like I, I feel like I, the Rays, unless they're going to use their like warlock magic, just you know, they're going to be competitive. Like they're not just going to lay down and die. But like they lost. A good amount of talent, and I don't 
see not on like a game by game, but like in terms of overall like divisional race. I think really it, it, it's pace. crazy that they, they, they continue to do this every year and, and it's still way too soon to know if it's finally going to rear its ugly head. But mm. so far through six games, um, they, they let um, Nate Lau go. They, they traded him to Texas and he like, I believe he leads the major leagues in RBIs, which is just such an, an absurd thing for me to be saying uh, the first week of the season. Uh, but it's true. And they've been playing uh, Yoshi Sugo doesn't really look that great. Again, small sample size. We're not going to get too worked up over that. Um, they're going to get a full season of Randy Rosarena, which is awesome. Uh, but obviously they traded away their ace in Blake Snell. Um, is this the year that Tampa finally, you know, they, they do this thing where, where, where they, they take budding talent just before free agency and they flip it to, to, you know, refund their, their, their pipeline. Is this the year where they have, a lot of talent waiting to go, but maybe this isn't the year where it's ready to burst and actually show. So, so they, they have a core that could be dominant and maybe win the division four years in a row starting next year. But is this the year that they're just a little short maybe? Yeah. I, uh, oh God, it's, it's tough for to kind of predict what the Rays are going to do this year because they just, they do have a good farm system. still. they have a lot of potential and their bullpen is still, pretty good um they still have a lot of good pitchers but they do also have injury problems with Chaz rose out for a while um there's some uh nick anderson is out for a while i'll tell you what what i think is going to hurt them the most in the bullpen is why in the hell did they trade jose alvarado i i it looks like yeah, that a weekend he's I already don't. he's already won over joe Girardi's favor uh, Dude, yeah, I'm sorry. That's just utter for, for the police. He looks he phenomenal. That. I know he yeah. he did run into a little bit of trouble against um, the Mets uh, Tuesday night, I believe it was maybe. But yeah. overall, his stuff is disgusting. He throws mm-hmm. uh, what is it like a like a hundred mile power splitter, and then um, his fastball I think hits like 101, 102. Yeah. I, he's just gross. Well, and and he's I don't know always, why he's they need always to been him. like that too. It's not like a new thing with him. He's always it's had just, that stuff. So what was the motivation right. to lose a guy like that from Can the please explain It's the Rays. They never have motivation behind things. <laughs> yo, just trade yo, guys. Yo. Just trade them. He's making one million dollars this year. That's too much for them. That's poverty right there. <laughs> yeah. Like, what could they have possibly gotten in that trade? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's the race. Like, I don't know. Like, Alvarado's disgusting. Yeah. All right. We have uh, any other thoughts before we wrap this up? Um, say a prayer to the oblique gods if they exist. Yeah. The oblique gods, the the the, the turf gods. Uh. Let's hope that uh, all the Yankees outfielders are wearing sneakers this week when they're in the field and then cleats when they're at bat. Because uh, if we find out that there's any uh, Tropicana field turf related injuries, I'm just going to slip my wrists. <laughs> guys, like, we really need to just drop the wrecking ball in the middle of that place already. Mm-hmm. Like, rip the, I don't even, they don't even just rip the roof off of it and plant some grass. Like, they could just leave the rest of the bowl there. They're never going to fill the thing anyway. Like, <laughs> get rid of that turf. All right, well, for Andrew, for G, and for Alex, this has been the Bronx Bomber Rabble Podcast, and the Yankees suck with runners in scoring position. Pray for Judge.